Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again for our first show of 2023 by my awesome line mates. We are skating one down this evening. Haley is not with us, but I do have Lauren and Mike with me. How's everyone doing this week? I'm I'm doing good. It's been a weird week. My off days are all messed up and Bruins afternoon game on a Monday, but we are here ready to rock and I am I'm ready to go. Yeah, we're starting to get used to being on a, a like a regular calendar again. Uh like I not many people write checks anymore, but occasionally I do have to write checks and uh I remember to put uh, 23 at the end of the check, so uh yeah, we're we're good. Uh, Mike, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I there's a lot of paperwork I got to fill out. And I'm still doing the 22 quite a bit, so I got to I got to get on that. It's been a good week. I'm um, just going through a transition at work, which is exciting, uh, but it's kept me pretty busy. But no complaints. Yeah, work has kept me extremely busy as well. It uh, yeah, all that stuff that uh, not you know, not not many things are being accomplished towards the end of the year. It's all waiting for you at the start of the new year, uh, always. So, uh, yeah, definitely been uh, been quite busy. But uh, it's the weekend now as we're recording. It is the 20th of January. This is our first episode in three weeks. Little, you know, A little bit of a, a, a hiatus here, but our first episode of 2023. Uh, not sure if anyone has already reneged on their resolutions, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, hopefully uh, you're all still staying strong. So stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And uh, for our opening face-off, I do want to head right back over to Lauren. But uh, before we do, yeah, it's going to be another one of these episodes. Uh, if you looked at the, at the title, um Hockey culture is rearing its ugly head again. We're, we'll we'll tackle it this week, uh, so we'll get into it. But first, uh, Lauren, I do want to head over to you for our opening face-off, uh, our first episode of 2023. What's on your mind? Yeah, so for as, uh, as much shit as the NHL caught this week, and rightfully so, the uh, the Boston Pride will be airing on Nesson for their next five games starting on Sunday um, I do have some shameless self plug. I do have some exciting content coming out Saturday. Um, and then throughout the, um, the games that will be, will be aired. I think it's the next five weekends. I think it's Saturday and or Sunday, uh, this weekend is Sunday. They're playing Montreal. So a nice Boston Montreal rivalry before some football. If you want to watch, it's still stressful hockey, but if you have any money on football, then uh, watch some stressful hockey and then some very stressful football. But um, just wanted to bring some attention to that. I'm excited that they're getting some more recognition. We've talked about that and having them be broadcast more across networks. And this is a bit more accessible than Twitch or ESPN plus, because specifically for new England people, you can just sit down and turn on the, the channel instead of fumbling around if with ESPN plus Twitch is pretty easy as is ESPN plus, but uh, with, with streaming stuff, you never know how people will react, but I'm excited for the Boston Pride to get this opportunity. And, I mean, we know that it's good hockey, so I hope others tune in to watch some really good hockey. Absolutely. I love the plug. Uh, and, yeah, it's it's fantastic that uh, the Pride are getting uh, excellent, uh, you know, broadcast uh, boost uh, on Nesson. Uh, you know, it's 
It's fantastic product, as we continue to say. Uh, so if you still have not yet adopted uh, the PHF, don't let uh, anything else stop you, uh, especially if you're local here in Massachusetts. Uh, it's going to be uh, on Nesson, like Lauren said. Or, you know, if you're a Nesson Plus subscriber, you're a transplanted uh, Bostonian. By any, I know that this is not a Bruins podcast. We do appeal to all hockey bases. But, uh, you know, it, if you have the opportunity to, uh, to you know, watch the Boston Pride or any of these other awesome PHF teams, definitely jump at the chance. Absolutely, Lauren. Mike, how about yourself? Uh, what do you have for us this week for your opening face-off? I'm going to stick with in the PHF. And I, I do want to start by saying how excited I am. It's going to be on Nesson. Obviously, I don't have Nesson, but that I'm still really excited about that, especially because the ESPN Plus is actually kind of difficult to get to it. Like, it's not as easy as basically any other sport, college, um, you know, major leagues, European, like a lot of them, you can find them just on the banner on the side. The PHF doesn't have that easy accessibility. You have to specifically search it out, which I think is a little annoying. Um, but our listeners may have noticed I've been a little quiet on my uh, talking about Allie Thunstrom this year because she got off to a little bit of a slow start in the Boston Pride jersey. But the PHF, you are letting her get hot. And she was the number one star of the entire league last week. Four goals over the weekend. Um, it's about to turn around. And she's going to show why she is the most talented skater in the PHF pretty soon. So I'm excited to be able to watch her um, heat it up right before the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, our listeners uh, had to have been sitting there going, like, where's the Funstrom talk from Mike? Like, what's happening here? Uh, it's going to spike right back up again. Absolutely. Um, so uh, thank you very much, Mike. As for myself, uh, for my opening face-off, NHL All-Star jerseys. That's my opening face-off. They were dropped this week. I have already purchased my uh, my Eastern Conference All-Star jersey, thanks to, uh, to Mike and Candy uh, for their Christmas gift. Uh, uh, I was able to snag one today. Uh, I love this look. I love the, the, this has been a year of the reverse retro, uh, in the national hockey league, uh, dipping back into the, uh, you know, the, the pre 2005, uh, pre 2004, 2005 lockout, uh, with the old, uh, NHL, uh, logo. Um, and basically it looks like the NHL went back into like the mid nineties, uh, for this look. Um, and, uh, these jerseys are fantastic. You have, uh, for the Eastern conference teams, uh, the black base with white sleeves, um, and, uh, and also, uh, uh pink and, uh, and teal is it? I think, I think it's teal, um, uh, accent colors, uh, with the old NHL crest and with the Western conference, uh, jerseys, white base, uh, teal sleeves and then uh, black and pink uh, accent colors with the old crest. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, I, I love the look. It, uh, I can't wait to see David Pasternak rocking uh, this jersey. That is the jersey that I, I purchased. I stuck the uh, alternate captain A on there. So even if he is not an alternate captain, uh, he is in my heart. And with um, the Bruins uh, going to be represented on the coaching staff as well. Jim Montgomery is going to be coaching the team. Maybe he'll name Pasta his uh, alternate captain. So uh, we'll see if it happens. But uh, these jerseys are fantastic. Uh, I have been you know, very vocal about how I think All-Star Weekend as a whole needs to get a lot more entertaining. Uh, some of the stuff that they do they did last year uh, with the um, uh, in, in Las Vegas with, uh, uh, you know, the uh, – 
shooting into like the the fountains near like the Bellagio. That was really cool. Um, they did like a, a, a target practice blackjack uh, thing uh, out uh, with, with the fans. Like you need to to attract more viewers. So cool jerseys is definitely a first step as opposed to some of the boring ones they've had the last uh, several years. Uh, but, you know, let's get the events uh, going as well. I'd like to see what they have planned for All-Star Weekend because uh, it it should be a lot of fun. It should be as attractive to viewers as uh, the NBA's All-Star Weekend usually is. So hopefully this is the start of a really exciting uh, All-Star festivities coming up in just a couple weeks uh, in the NHL. So I did want to move right back over to Lauren uh, to see what she had on her mind this week, uh, you know, for, uh, it's been, well, it's been about three weeks since we got together, but, uh, you know, so Lauren, uh, what do you have for us this week? Uh, I wish we had happier topics to talk about, but I feel like there's always going to be one of these kinds of episodes, which you prefaced in the beginning. Um, but the flyers held their pride night on Tuesday, Monday, earlier this week, um, and there was one particular skater who didn't want to wear the jersey because of his religion. And I do not care if you want to use religion as your pathetic excuse, but make sure you are leading or uh, abiding by every single thing that your religion says. Then you have to just be a, a jerk for a lack of to, to put it nicely across the board. Don't just pick and choose when you want to use your religion against uh, or for your your weak defense. You had to wear a jersey for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you couldn't stand to have a rainbow attached to you because you're so fragile. And I don't necessarily like using that word unless I'm describing like someone's athletic ability, like Trevor Story just seems to be fragile sometimes with his arm. But it's, I just can't believe, and it's, I mean, I it's, I feel like we're never going to stop talking about this, but it's 2023 and people are sitting there all mad that he that he is was getting uh flack for not wearing it or for sitting out of warm-ups and I'm like it's the bar is on the floor for what the NHL does for Pride Night for what they do and it was one night to make the community feel like they belonged and that they were safe and respected and one person one player made it seem like they were not because he didn't want to wear the pride jerseys. And when you're making Tony freaking D'Angelo look like a decent human being, you know, you're doing something terribly wrong. And it's, it's just, it's like I said, the bar is on the floor and I don't know. I'm not the person to speak on whether Tortorella not benching him for that game was the right call because in my eyes, it's just a slap on the wrist and he'll be back the next game. And he'll have he'd have to face the media eventually, but because he played, he had to face the media that night. Um, I think we all knew what the answer was going to be, regardless. So I'm not the person to speak on that. I don't know if it was the right call or not. I think sending some sort of message would have been better than letting him play. Um, and the the amount of people on the internet, and yes, some of them are trolls and bots, but that are so triggered that he didn't wear a jersey they're like oh they're forcing our beliefs straight people don't go around being like haha i'm straight and i was very close to quote tweeting this tweet and be like no they just ask when straight pride day is because they can't handle the fact that they're not oppressed and that they will never have to feel unsafe in a sport that they love so but i held my tongue so i'm like this clearly is just a, a bot and i don't need all the the weirdos like Joe eighteen twelve four two five 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 in my mentions being like, hey idiot, but 
it was just such a weak move by Ivan Provorov. And like I said, I don't know if it was a weak call by Tortorella to let him play. I think it was a weak call for uh, his support of it or lack thereof, lack of support for the community and support of his player. I get that's his player. You need to stand up for them in some regard, but this was his chance to make a statement and he didn't do it. And like I said, the bar is on the floor and it's a shame that it always comes down to when they're just trying to do the bare minimum to make marginalized communities feel welcome. And because of one player, now it's like, cool. Once again, proving that hockey is not for everyone. Extremely well said, Lauren. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm again, like every time there's an incident uh, that takes place and every time we record this pod, we say, guess what? In a few weeks, a month, uh, there's going to be another one. And like clockwork, uh, hockey culture has reared its ugly head again. And like you said, Lauren, the bar is literally on the floor for what this league and its teams do to uh, promote representation of marginalized uh, communities. And, uh, and you know, again, to prove quote unquote that that this sport the sport of hockey is for everyone because it clearly isn't and when you have actions uh, taken by Ivan Provorov there's always going to be a chain reaction okay like uh, Ivan Provorov made a decision that decision has spawned the reaction from John Tortorella the statement by the NHL the actions of trolls, as as you pointed out, Lauren, and 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 it's it's it empowers a lot of trolls uh, to puff out their chests and uh, and say, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm gonna buy a Provorov jersey. Someone like posted a picture of himself buying a a Provorov uh, a jersey on Fanatics. Like, oh, congrats, dude! You spent three hundred dollars on a jersey to to own the gays. Like, good good job, buddy. Uh, like 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 you got to be kidding me with with some some of the things that these trolls do, but. Um, I want to, again, in, in case anyone did not hear about, uh, this, this, uh, these developments this week, basically what, uh, what happened is, you know, the flyers held their pride night, which again, these events are the bare minimum that teams can do. Uh, you know, the, the team, uh, wore, um, you know, pride themed jerseys and, and they, uh, used sticks in warmups that had uh rainbow tape, um, you know, for, for their, you know, 10 minute warmup and, Really, that's that's all that's done, you know. At, at these things, uh, you know, they, they of course they will sell the 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 pride themed merchandise to you know make money off of off of this event, but that's really all that's done. Uh, and you know, I'm not someone who can speak to whether or not uh, you know the 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 um, the community feels uh, you know feels good about about these pride nights, uh, but. Just as an outside point of view, it looks like this is the bare minimum being done. And so Ivan Provorov decides to sit out warmups, uh, citing his uh, Russian Orthodox beliefs. And something that really bugs me is hypocrisy. And Lauren, you kind of hinted at this. Ivan Provorov cited his uh, Russian Orthodox beliefs. Now, I don't know if Ivan Provorov is uh, celibate. I don't know if he's a virgin. But I do know that he lives with his girlfriend. Uh, he's not married, but he lives with his girlfriend. And he's 26 years old living with his girlfriend. I'm going to assume that they've slept together. Okay, I don't want to get into you know a player's sex life. But 
that right there, that uh, though, though that action would be in violation of his Russian Orthodox beliefs. So, Ivan Provorov, are you a hypocrite or or not? You know, don't pick and choose. Like Lawrence said, don't pick and choose when to apply uh, my religious beliefs. Say that I, I you know, uh, so I, it, 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 the whole thing bugs me. The whole thing bugs bugs me. You can just be a good teammate for ten minutes. Uh, be a beacon to your fan base. You know what does that say to a uh, a gay Flyers fan that uh, that that well, well this guy this guy can't wear a, a pride themed jersey. Does this guy hate me and 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 uh, and and my sexual orientation? What if he has a closeted teammate? It's highly possible. You know there are so many chain reactions that stem from a decision like this, and this is so. This is a very selfish selfish decision by Ivan Provorov. Uh, and, you know, I, I get it, you know, you know, freedom of religion, uh, religious beliefs, your actions still have consequences. Um, so I, it, it, it bugs me. The reaction from John Tortorella, who was quoted as saying, uh, Provy did nothing wrong. Just because you don't agree with his decision doesn't mean he did anything wrong. Uh, again, you had an opportunity to, to stand up and, 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 you know, say to your fan base, Hey, I disagree with what, uh, what Ivan did, uh, you know, he had the right to to sit out warmups, but I disagree with it. Very easy thing to say. Didn't say it. Then you get the the statement from the NHL, uh, which said uh, basically uh, hockey is for everyone is um, a umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming and inclusive environments for all fans. Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how, with league counsel and support. Players are free to decide which initiatives to support, and we continue to encourage their voices and perspective on social and cultural issues. That statement to me, and it's open for interpretation, that statement to me says, we don't care. We don't care. Uh, oh, he didn't want to wear, wear the pride jersey. Well, you know, he doesn't really have to, and... Uh, the league again has a, an opportunity to stand up for its marginalized fans and just chose not to do it. And so I just, I really am at a loss for this because this is not the first time, nor will it be the last that this happens. And it's just like the national hockey league, its coaches and its players just decide to openly slap some of it, uh, a portion of its fans in the face and then just say, well, but, but come on back, come on back to our next pride night though. Like uh, it, it's all good. I just, it, the whole thing just, it, it sickens me. Uh, Mike, I'd love to get your perspective on this as well. I know that uh, Lauren and I've been talking a while here. No, and, and please do you, you're nailing it right on the head. Um, I have a lot of feelings about this and most of them match quite well with what you all are saying, but like, all right, I'm all for individual freedoms and liberties. And if you don't want to wear a jersey or, you know, stand for a flag or whatever, okay, that is your personal choice. But own the fucking choice, okay? Like, you're not saying that you have to be gay. <laughs> you're not saying that you have to marry, you know, that Ivan Provaron needs to marry a man. He's saying... Like the, the team is saying, wear a jersey that just says we are aware of your existence and we don't judge you for it. And that's exactly what he did. He he was like, I can't even 
put on the jersey for 10 minutes. And it's to me, it's disgusting. It's and it's a complete cop out. And, you know, I mean, you can, you can get into the arguments of consistency within it, but it's it's not real. It's not a real argument. He's not doing it because he's religious. He's doing it because he doesn't like gay people. All right. I'm just going to say it. And, and for the torts thing, this is where I'll go consistency, right? Cause this is a guy when black people were getting murdered in the street by the state and individual athletes around the world were choosing to kneel for the, for the, national anthem before sporting events john tortorella said if any of my players sit on the bench during the national anthem they will sit for the entire game Mm -hmm. right so whether or not that was the right reaction is is you know that would have been the right reaction i mean i obviously don't think that it was for that particular issue but where's your consistency now this guy is saying i will not stand with my brothers on the team with those jerseys with these members of the community i'm going to stay in the locker room but there's no consequence so what is it is it that you know by not is it does so towards basically is just deciding well i don't necessarily think that they should um sit for the national anthem but if they want to skip out on pride night that's fine so now it's it's, it's completely ridiculous. There's no consistency. It shows who Tortorella is as a person. Not that I think I expected anything different. And it just bugs me because it's just the same stuff that we always see of just hate beginning more and more hate and feeding the fires of these trolls online and just putting these members of our community in a dangerous situation because we are just giving platforms to this. And, and it like in the NHL statement, they say, you know, like, Oh, however many hundred people in the league did wear the jerseys, let's not concentrate on the two or three, but look at the, look at the narrative. All right. And they're trying to reclaim it, but the narrative in the real world is that the NHL is not for everyone and that you cannot or do not or should not feel safe in these circles and that's unfortunate absolutely absolutely just just like lauren uh so well said mike uh and it it, it really is the, this league proving you know in case you needed proof uh you you know it's giving you countless examples but if you were still holding out it's given proof now, yet again, that it does not care about these initiatives. It doesn't care about actually making the sport inclusive uh, and welcoming to everyone. It's just about doing the bare minimum and phrases and buzzwords and just all this jargon that doesn't actually accomplish anything. And it doesn't make anyone feel welcomed into the sport. I myself, I am a straight white man. I am the NHL's target demographic, uh, like, and, you know, I, you know, like you should not be marketing to me. I have played the sport since I was five. I am in love with it endlessly. I'm not the person you need to be appealing to. You need to be appealing to the people who don't watch the sport, who think that it's not for them, make them fall in love with it. And this league 
refuses to do it and refuses to get out of its comfort zone. And again, just actions like these, it, it's it's so pathetic because uh, additionally, the Flyers knew that this decision from uh, Provorov was coming. He told them in advance. Um, John Tortorella said that he had, quote unquote, very healthy conversations with Provorov, general manager Chuck Fletcher, and select players days ahead of the game. Uh, so Provorov's decision was, quote, not a surprise to the organization. They knew this was coming in advance of Tuesday night, uh, at least a couple days before, maybe weeks before. Uh, it's possible he told them a, a while ago, hey, I'm not participating in this. Uh, so they knew it was coming. And despite that, their their reaction was this piss poor. Uh, where And uh, Mike, thank you for highlighting, again, the, the hypocrisy uh, of John Tortorella. Not only is Provorov very likely a hypocrite, uh, John Tortorella is absolutely a hypocrite uh, because you can't pick and choose when you want uh, your, your rules to apply. Well, you, you don't stand for the anthem. You're not uh, you know sitting on my bench. Okay, well, this was something that the whole team was doing. Uh, this was a, a you know Pride Night was uh, an event. Uh, you were going to to you know stand up uh, and and represent uh, you know marginalized uh, fans of of your team, and you choose to sit it out. He should have sat up the game too. Why why do you get to pick and choose when when the rules apply? It just makes no sense. And I know people might be listening and saying like, you know, there's a there's a, a you know action on the ice as well. You know. You know, why do you keep talking about this? Because this stuff matters. And there are going to be fewer and fewer people who tune in to watch this incredible sport because they just feel so unwelcome. If that doesn't apply to you, congratulations, you're lucky. You're you're lucky that you don't feel like this league, this sport is has turned its back on you over and over again. I don't again, I don't feel feel that way. I never will because I am their target demographic. But there are so many other people who just want to love this sport, root for their favorite players, and not feel slapped in the face. And I'm sure there are Flyer fans who feel slapped in the face by Ivan Provorov. They probably won't be able to to you know look uh, look at him the same way because you know, they might be of a certain uh, sexual orientation that they feel this guy, this guy hates me. This guy, uh, you know, wouldn't stop to take a picture with me uh, if I saw him in the street because of, uh, of, of how I am. That sucks. That really sucks. And that's why we're not going to stop talking about stuff like this on, on, on this show. Uh, it'd be so, it'd be so easy to ignore it, but ignoring it is exactly what the national hockey league wants people to do. It's what the sport wants people to do. And, you shouldn't ignore it. Change does not happen if you if ignore the problem. Um, so I, I do know that we have other stuff that we want to talk about uh, you know, on this episode. But, uh, you know, Lauren, Mike, uh, do you have any other thoughts on uh, the Provorov situation to, uh, that you'd like to get off your chest before we do? Just one quick thought that – and I've said this before about other – happenings in the NHL too, that this could have been used as a, a moment, a learning moment, a teaching moment where the NHL could have reflected and be like, what more can we do to make this sport more inclusive? Like, let's, like, let's take what happened and let's not like, let's move forward with it and learn from it and be better. And maybe listen to members of the, the communities that are not feeling safe in your sport and maybe hear them out or maybe talk to players 
I mean, I don't know if there's any you know closeted players that people know within the locker room, like have that conversation with them, have the conversation with, you know, your gay friends and your, your trans friends and see what you know, they, what the league could do. This could have been a, a, a great time. I hate saying like great in, in, in a topic like this, but this could have been a time where the NHL learned to kind of move forward in a positive direction, but they released their statement. We all know that's it. It's going to get swept under the rug and everyone's going to move on from it. Like it never happened, which is just what always seems to happen with a lot of these things, unfortunately. Um, but the more that we can bring light to it and attention to it, the more that we can start looking at ways to make it more inclusive. And yes, pride nights are, are great, but it's the, it's the bare minimum. The, and then when one player doesn't do it, it's just, it ruins it for all of the teams, even though that I know the Bruins are very good about it. I can't speak to other teams, but I haven't seen any other problems with other teams this year, especially, but like what more can be done to make this more inclusive? And it needs, I mean, it needs to be a conversation. It needs to be something everyone's like the front office and, you know, the flyers sit down about, but I don't have high hopes for that happening, but this could have been that, that time where it's like, all right, we need to change because if we do really mean hockey is for everyone, then we have to be the ones to, to make it safe and make it for everyone. Yeah. Very, very well said. Uh, Mike, any other uh, you know, final thoughts on this, uh, Matt, this subject for you? There's a quote that always goes around, uh, you know, there, uh, it's a couple different ways that people say it, but it's, the time is always right to do the right thing, or there's never a bat, a wrong time to, you know, to do what's right. The NHL needs to take that to heart. I always say that it's not necessarily the initial action that's most important. It's how you respond to it. And that's another lesson I think that the NHL could take out of this is sometimes we do things wrong or we do bad things. All right. And when we're made aware of those things, we have different ways that we can move forward and one of them can create healing and one of them can just create more division. Just choose the way that's going to, that's going to create healing and is going to grow the sport and grow community, the community. And, and it's exactly what Lauren said. I mean, <laughs> you know, listen to the community, listen to these people. Okay. Listen to those who are affected by actions like this and actually change behavior best apology is change behavior absolutely absolutely and on that note too mike yeah, like i i absolutely agree and i don't know if you know, the national hockey league is of the the mindset like well you know if we go above and beyond to uh to you know try and be you know so inclusive and 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 you know have more pride nights and uh and uh you know take all these actions to uh to appeal to a, a wider uh, base of people that uh, you know the the fans we already have will get turned off, dude. They're not going to like. Yeah, you're going to have the people who reply to Lauren's tweets and say, "Oh, what about straight pride night?" Oh, they want to hear themselves talk. I promise you, these people are not going to stop watching hockey because of this. They're going to get all agitated and they're going to uh, send their troll tweets. At the end of the day, if you know their favorite team scores uh you know scores a goal to win win the game they're still hooting and hollering they're still cheering they they're not going to stop watching your sport all right you will gain far more fans than you lose 
by being welcoming and being inclusive. So enough with these cop-outs, enough with this uh, ridiculous, uh, you know, lack of action. Uh, these these gutless statements that uh, that you know just show that you don't care. Take action. Uh, you know, like Mike said, never too late uh, to do the right thing. So hopefully the league will actually learn from this. I won't hold my breath. Mike, I actually want to go right back over to you uh, to see if you had uh, anything on your mind this week that you wanted to cover for uh, this week's episode. I'm having a crisis in my fandom of sports lately. And when DeMar Hamlin was injured on the field in the NFL, in the NFL a few weeks ago, um, you know, it, it hit me quite a bit of just how dangerous these contact sports are. And we talk about, um, you know, dirty hits and things like that. And obviously the hit on DeMar Hamlin was not dirty. It was just a freak thing that happened, but you know, it, it, it starts to make you think again about like what, what should these sports that we love actually look like as, as we move forward to it. And it just so happened that, um, you know, this morning I was scrolling through Twitter and I came across the uh, Mike Matheson hit on Eric Stahl. I don't know if y'all have seen that. Um, it's, it almost looks like just a genuine reverse check. Uh, Matheson and Stahl are going to the corner skating at full speed trying to you know like beat an icing and then before getting to the puck Matheson pulls up and throws a reverse hit uh you know shoulder back into the head of Eric Stahl um there was no penalty called on the ice but he just was fined today for five thousand dollars and I'm you know as I'm as I'm doing the segment right now I'm looking at this hit and this is just your bodies aren't supposed to move that way you know you're not this is not the way that humans are, you know, our anatomy is, is set up to do like your, your head should not snap like that. You shouldn't be taking this punishment. And I, when I was in my teens, twenties, even in my early thirties, I'd have seen this hit and I'd have jumped off the couch and I'd have been like, wow, that's, you know, what a hit. Um, you know, he, I, I think it probably was a little dirty cause I think he did it too early. Um, so it wasn't interference, but even still, you know, it's something that you, that you see and you're like, Oh, that's, that's how the game's supposed to be played. Tough guys. You know, he, instead of taking a hit, he gave a hit, man, this type of thing is killing people when you're doing it this way. And it's, it just has me wondering what, like I said at the beginning, what should this sport that we love so much and that we grew up with watching things like this and celebrating it, what should it look like? Because I see Eric Stahl on the ground or you see what happened to DeMar Hamlin or, you know, any number of, of, of other players and across almost any sport and their life expectancies and their quality of life in the later years are just so affected by these things that we just sit on a couch with, you know, Doritos and drinks and we, and we clap and we cheer and, I don't know. I'm just, I'm having, I'm I'm having trouble with it because I don't think it is or should be sustainable to be that, that vicious. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just getting soft in my old age. I I don't think you're getting soft in your old age. I think it's a a legitimate question. And I've referenced this a couple of times on, on the show. 
Uh, I, I was fortunate enough this year to get into youth hockey coaching. And I'll tell you what, as, again, as someone who has played the sport since he was five, uh, you, know, you know, played uh, through high school and uh, you know, a little in, uh, you know, intramural uh, in college and uh, has, you know, been, you know, watching for, uh, for, you know, nearly 30 years and uh, is just a lifelong fan of the sport. I almost kind of had to relearn things about this sport that I'm super, super familiar with this past summer when I went through all my certifications. They do not let people just say, hey, yeah, I'd like to volunteer uh, to, to coach hockey. Uh, and they just say, okay, cool. Here's your, you know, like, uh, here's your roster, uh, like, you know, uh, get out there and, uh, you know, as long as you're, you have a good background check, uh, you know, we will you work with these kids. No, they educate you. Uh, we had to sit through uh, multiple hour long certifications where we talked to uh, an actual uh, USA hockey official uh, and he was going through uh, videos of different hits. Hey, is this hit good? Is this hit bad? Uh, you know, uh, and, and tell me why. Uh, and additionally, one of the things that surprised me is as I'm you know getting ready to coach this year, learning about some of the differences in just youth hockey since uh since i played youth hockey uh you know eons ago uh and how uh you know uh, at the peewee level which is when you uh, when i played that's when you started to to body check uh they don't uh, don't allow uh body checks in peewee anymore you don't start until bantam and might squirt peewee levels you are basically learning how to play the sport without open ice hits and you are learning how to you know pick your head up. You, you you're learning how to play the sport. Obviously, body contact occurs. It is a collision sport at the end of the day, but uh, w- without the actual uh, you know the uh, the ability to go into a corner and just uh, level somebody, uh, that doesn't come until you're at least 14. And I think the way Mike, to, this is my long-winded way of saying, I think the way that the sport is changed at the highest level is with stuff like that. We are teaching kids how to play the sport without their first instinct being, this guy has the puck, let me skate up to him like a battering ram and separate him from the puck that way. You know, we are, we're teaching kids right now, try and take the puck, try and, you know, skate up to someone and maybe try and pin them to the boards and take the puck as opposed to going for, uh, a, you know, a, a big hit. We're teaching kids to skate with their heads up uh, instead of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, keeping that head down and, uh, and potentially you know, skating into someone or just not seeing when someone's coming for them. We're, we're teaching uh, coaches, and, uh, and coaches are teaching children to play the game in a different way. And it could take a while, but I think that's one of the ways that you change the sport. You know, For the people who are at the NHL level right now, it's too late. You know, the, 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 it's second nature to them. You, know, you have uh, you know, the, the Ryan Reeveses of the world who are uh, like, hey, my job is to go and uh, – open ice, level somebody and to, and take them out, separate them from the puck. That's, you know, that's my job. But this next generation, it's up to the coaches. It's up to the programs they play in to teach them how to play the sport the right way. Unfortunately, I've seen firsthand, there are some coaches who are teaching kids to do, uh, to do some not, uh, not so desirable things on the ice. And those coaches need to be weeded out because they're, they're not teaching kids how to play the sport the right way, but there is a way, for again, body contact doesn't go away. Uh, 
trust me, kids are falling over and running into each other left and right at my squirt games. I, I'm not telling you that people aren't touching each other. All right. There is plenty of uh, of hits. There's plenty of uh, you know incidental contact. Uh, there, like it, it still looks like the same game. You just don't have people trying to use the contact as a strategy and as their first instinct. Uh, so I, I do think, Mike, that there are ways to change the way that the sport is played uh, to make it seem less barbaric. And and I, I share those those same thoughts that you had. Like I, I remember a couple of days after the Demar Hamlin uh, incident in Buffalo. I was sitting there saying, like, I don't care about watching football this weekend. Like, I, I, like this guy nearly died in the field. Like, and you know, I have of course watched football since, but you know, like, you feel uneasy about it at first. I absolutely agree, Lauren. I'd love to get uh, get your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, it's such a it's such a tricky topic because, I mean, yes, some of the hits do make hockey more entertaining, but you look at these large open ice hits that. As Mike said, it makes your body move in ways that you know it's not supposed to move. And this isn't like a, a freak thing when, uh, you know, Bergeron gets hit in the face and breaks his nose or something, or when Chara broke his jaw. Like that's completely unavoidable at, at that point. But when you, when you can, when you make hits that can be avoided, or you are kind of headhunting for lack of a better term, it just takes away from the game. Like yes. I, it's fun watching someone get drilled into the boards when there's no injury occurring. Like when you see, you know, sometimes Connor Clifton to just terrible for my brand has been making really good hits. And like, that is what, like, that's fun. That's exciting when you're not stopping the game, but you're interrupting the play for the opponent and football is just something that I watch some of these hits and I'm like, how did that the person who got hit just get up? Because my thing, I think my ribs broke from watching that like these guys have to be unbelievably sore the next day or even the next hour and there has to be some sort of happy medium to these kinds of hits especially in in football like we see so much helmet to helmet even though it's it's illegal but it's it's still going to happen whether intentional or intentional or not they're still going to happen big hits and I mean we've seen so many dirty hits over the years between you know, Matt Cook and so many players. He's the first one that comes to mind. But like those kinds of hits, the hit on Nathan Horton in 2011, like those are just so unbelievably unnecessary. And they're bad for the game. And going beyond the game, you think of the the person's quality of life, how it will impact them later on. You have Mark Savard, whose career ended early and who still deals with post-concussion symptoms and I mean, I don't know if his life will ever be the same. I don't, I don't know him, but I don't know what it's like to deal with that on a daily basis. Um, and just the the long-term effects of these hits, it's much more than, oh, oh he, he broke a bone. He'll be out six weeks. If you deal with concussions, I mean, look at Brandon Carlo. And some of that is just un, un, unlucky on his part, but you look some of the hits he's taken. He's had four, four or five documented concussions and he's 26 years old. Like that, he should he should have a very long career. Still, he should still have at least ten good years in him, and we might not see that because of the concussions he sustained. Like there, there definitely has to be a way to eliminate those unnecessary hits. And I understand freak things are going to happen. We've seen it happen several times in in every sport. There's no way to get rid of the the freak injuries and 
someone falling the wrong way after a hit. But when you are hunting somebody and they're you know defenseless, their heads down, and like, yeah, keep your head up, whatever. It's just it takes away from the sport. It takes away and you know selfishly like the when you're viewing it as a fan, how like how do you? It takes a minute for like the energy to come back because you're like, is that guy okay? Like, did we just witness his career end? And like, how can you sit there and be like, get right back into it? And if you just let the players play, sometimes you, you're you watching the game and you realize that there's been five consecutive minutes of play and you're like, oh, this is actually like really good hockey. And I point to the PHF, like there's, there's plenty of checking and there's plenty of contact. We know you don't see hits like the NHL, but you can't tell me that's not entertaining hockey. You're seeing a lot of good plays and skilled women out there doing what the NHL players are doing, and they're not racking each other's brains against the boards. Absolutely. Like, listen, at the end of the day, like Lauren said, oh yeah, like people, you know, people can be entertained by big hits, but I promise you, at the end of the day, NHL fans are going to be up the the next morning saying. Let me watch that McDavid highlight of him, you know, dangling around five defenders and going in and undressing the goalie much more so than they're going to say, oh, yeah, I got to see that Reeves hit again. Like people love to see goals. People love to see, you know, end to end play. Like Lauren was just saying, you know, like five minutes of uninterrupted play. Uh, Like there's still body contact. There are still collisions. But there's a big difference between predatory behavior um, and, you know, and, and people, you know, Go trying to initiate body contact uh, and big hits for purely the intention of, you know, let me get, uh, you know, let me get a reaction, you know, let me get some stick taps on the bench. Again, I go back to, you know, changing the game at the very lowest level, at the youth level, changing the way that this sport is played, it makes an impact. And, you know, I, trust me, I had 11 penalties called in my squirt game last weekend. It was a rousing 6-5 game. Uh, there, there, were, uh, there, there were kids falling over. Uh, like it, it was entertaining. It was a chippier game than I think I'd ever seen at the youth level since, uh, since I played. And uh, usually I was at the, the you know, dishing out portion of that, unfortunately. I was not a very disciplined youth hockey player. But uh, like that was, the parents came up to me after, like, God, that was an entertaining game. Uh, like, yeah. And, and that's, again, without full body checks. Uh, it, like, you know, and yes, I, you're probably sitting there going, are you really comparing youth hockey to NHL hockey? No, I'm not. I'm just saying the style of play, uh, you know, by taking away these, uh, these full ice, uh, like uh, op- open ice, uh, you know, like uh, all, all of this body contact and replacing it with, you know, end to end play, which again, you still have a good amount of actual body contact that's. Uh, you know, purely in the in service of trying to separate someone from the puck. It really is appealing to watch. So I do think that there is a way to improve this sport uh, and the way that it's played uh, without the emphasis on, you know, on predatory behavior. And I always see people say like, oh, well, you want to take big hits like that out of the game, but you, uh, you know, you cheer at a fight. Number one, yes. Uh, but, but uh Listen, there's a big difference between a uh, a hockey fight, which, listen, 75% of these things are kind of a dog and pony show. Like uh, both guys are, are, are kind of trying to get uh, get some energy going on the bench. Uh, they end up grabbing each other's jerseys and no one actually gets a punch off. And then someone falls over and the referees separate them. 
uh, like very few fights are, uh, uh, you know, are Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Uh, like, let, let's, uh, and the few that are, it's like, okay, that was a really good fight. But these guys are inviting it. They're willingly participating and they know what's coming. There's a big difference between, you know, catching a right hook to the face that you know is coming and getting knocked uh, on your ass from behind or getting knocked in your head from behind. Uh, so, uh, you know, fighting in hockey is, you know, some people might think it's barbaric. I still think there's a place for it, but there's a difference between that and the predatory behavior that, uh, you know, that we're, we're talking about here. So, yeah, at the end of the day, like I said, there, there are ways to play this sport which still will have plenty of body contact. Just naturally, it's going to happen. Whether people aren't looking in the right direction, uh, you know, people are two people are going for for the puck. There's still plenty of body contact that can uh, that can and will occur, even if someone's not uh, you know actively seeking it out. So yeah, I, I just I think there are ways uh, to change the way that the, that the sport is played. I absolutely uh, believe that's the case. And thank you, Mike, for bringing that subject up. The, what I wanted to talk about to round up uh, this week's episode is, I reference it in my, uh, my opening face-off, and I'll reference it again here, the 2023 NHL All-Star rosters. They are finalized. We know exactly what players will be wearing those super awesome jerseys that I have uh, purchased one of. So we've talked about how fan voting uh, you know, can be a little bit flawed in the past, and uh, and. I think for the most part, the fans got this right. And listen, I am uh, offender number one here, okay? I voted Nick Ritchie and uh, tried to vote Nick Ritchie into the All-Star game. I cast at least 100 votes for Nick Ritchie. Uh, so I am exactly the person who people complain about when they say, oh, yeah, these people voted John Scott into the All-Star game. I tried with all my heart to vote Nick Ritchie and Jeremy Swayman into the All-Star game, although Jeremy Swayman's play as of late warrants a spot. Uh, let me just say that. But we have our rosters that ha- uh, that have been set here. Um, so Leon Dreisaitl and David Pasternak were among uh, the 12 players chosen uh, by fans to, to participate in the NHL uh, All-Star game. Um, we also have um, – let me see if I can get the entire roster here. So we have Austin Matthews, obviously, David Pasternak um, uh, in the uh, Atlantic Division. Uh, you have uh, Nate – uh, oh, no, no, sorry, uh, Nico Rittenen and Nathan McKinnon, both getting in for Lauren's Avs. Um, and uh, Stuart Skinner, who, by the way, is the the newest goaltender that Snipe and Selly has uh, chosen to stand, uh, because, mainly because of that mustache. Uh, so Stuart Skinner is an all-star, and he is uh, a member of the Snipe and Selly family now, because we uh, we stand Stuart Skinner because of that stash, uh, as long, along with Leon Dreisaitl and Bo, Bo Horvat, who is currently a Vancouver Canucks, I don't know if he'll still be a Vancouver Canuck by the time that All-Star game is played, but right now he's a Vancouver Canuck, uh, along with uh, Artemi Panarin uh, and uh, Adam Fox. Uh, these are all players who were voted into uh, the NHL All-Star game. Uh, Connor Helbick uh, was also uh, voted in. I-, I think the fans got this right, um, but I want to uh, – and uh, Andrei Sh- uh, Shveknikov uh, in as well, Ilya Sorokin um, – I want to see uh, if my line mates think that the fans got this right. Are there any glaring omissions uh, that uh, that you think, uh, or is this practice something that you think should continue? Because the way that the NHL did this is you have one representative assigned from each team. Uh, so that's why, for example, 
that's why Johnny Gaudreau's in this game. Not saying Johnny Gaudreau's not a great player, but the Blue Jackets needed a representative in a year where they are just god-awful. And then from there, you vote for the remaining players on the roster. So uh, the way that this is done uh, is, again, done by division, even though you have the Eastern and Western Conference jerseys. Uh, I look forward to seeing how, uh, you know, how this shakes out. But were there any players, guys, who you thought, you know, just – Maybe the the fans uh, missed something uh, in, in their votes. Uh, again, you have to have a representative for each team. But in the actual fan voting, uh, were there any anyone who you know got you think got snubbed here? Uh, Lauren, I'd love to hear from you on this first. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone super glaring. I do think for the most part that the fans got it right. And if I did have to, I mean, there's always going to be snubs, but I think that my biggest snub would be Cole Caulfield. I think that he absolutely deserved a spot. He has 26 goals. He's probably about to sign a really rich contract. And maybe he should have been the the representative from the from Montreal, but he's probably the one that stands out the most. I thought he was a, a shoe-in, and I, I was very, very wrong. Yeah, it, it's, again, the system that's in place where every team gets a, uh, a representative – you know, maybe that needs to go away. Like, I, I get why the league does it, because you, you want to have a Montreal fan tune in. Uh, like, if they have no participants, you know, is a Canadian fan even going to tune in? I mean, if they're a big enough hockey fan, they will. But, uh, you know, Nick Suzuki is their representative. Let me give uh, the full rosters, and we'll go over to Mike. Uh, so from the Metropolitan Division, again, this is between the selections and also the fan votes. We have uh, Sidney Crosby for the Metropolitan Division. Johnny Gaudreau, Kevin Hayes, Jack Hughes, Brock Nelson, Alex Ovechkin, Artemi Panarin, Andrei Shvechnikov, Adam Fox, Igor Shosturkin, and Ilya Sorokin. Um, for Sorokin, Fox, Shvechnikov, Panarin, ne- uh, Nelson, and Hayes, their first selections. Um, uh, so a lot of first-time All-Stars here, which is which is cool. It's it's something that uh, is a big honor. Uh, so I absolutely love the fact that they uh, they got their their first selection. For the Atlantic Division, Nikita Kucherov, uh, Mr. Long-Term IR, um, Dylan Larkin, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, David Posternuk, Nick Suzuki, Tage Thompson, uh, which, of course, is his first selection, but very well-deserved, uh, Brady Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk. So we got the Kachuk brothers on the same uh, roster there for the Atlantic Division. Andre Vasilevsky and Linus Olmark. Uh, so Olmark and Thompson are the two first-time um, appearances uh, in the Atlantic Division and very well deserved for both. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference in the Central Division, we have uh, um, Kirill Kaprizov, Clayton Keller, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Jason Robertson, Vladimir Tarasenko, Seth Jones, Kale McCarr, Josh Morrissey, Connor Helbuck, and uh, UC Saros. And so for Morrissey uh, and Robertson, first appearances for both those guys, very well deserved for both. And to round things out in the Pacific Division, you have Matty Beneers, pride of Massachusetts um, for Seattle, his first appearance. Leon Dreisaitl, Kevin Fiala, uh, his first appearance, which is a bit of a surprise to me. Bo Horvat, Nazem Kadri, Connor McDavid, Elias Peterson, Troy Terry, Eric Carlson, Stuart Skinner, and Logan Thompson. And both goalies, this is their first um, uh, first all-star appearance. So um, just, again, Stuart Skinner, we stand him. Uh, so we're, we're uh, excited for him. But uh, Mike, anyone who you think uh, was snubbed? Is there anyone who's 
on this roster who you think, yeah, listen, great player, but you know, probably shouldn't be in the all-star game. Yeah. How, how do you think the fans did here? Well, I think you, you all know me, even though I don't like the Montreal Canadians, I've been a Caulfield stand for a while now. Uh, so, but if you look at that Atlantic division list, there's not a lot of guys that you're like, Oh, he shouldn't be there. Uh, so I struggle with it. I always struggle with these two because it's like so many people are deserving. It's hard. There's always going to be someone who feels like a snub. The funny thing for me, though, is that most of my timeline on Twitter is people complaining because they're like, release the votes. Because from what I saw, it was all Cole, Cole Caulfield. How did he not make it on there? Um, but, you know, overall, I, I, I think I would have liked to see him there. He's really he's exciting. Um, I wanted him to have a better rookie season, but he's, he's making up for it this year. I generally don't like fan voting for, um, for things like the all-star team. It's like, I just want to, I really wish that the players got to decide. I think that Mm -hmm. like, I mean, a lot of times we talk about guys like Patrice Bergeron, right? Like how many times he made the all-star game and how many times should he have? And would he have more? selections if the league themselves the players the people who are actually on the ice day in and day out if they were the ones who are deciding who deserves to be there and then the the one team you know every team needs to have a player I hate that too I don't like it I feel like again it should just be the most deserving player I can't think of like specific examples off the top of my head but I remember back in you know when I was a kid watching the major league um, baseball all-star games and like there'd be some random dude from the Royals that you're like what is what is this guy doing here or the you know back when they were the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and it's like we don't need this representation it's not making the game any better like yeah maybe you get some casual fan who might not have watched it but you're getting a worse product I would also say that I think that in all sports the skills competitions are always more exciting than the actual games um, so like also, I would bring in guys who may not be the, you know, may not be an all-star, may not be one of the best in the league, but maybe they're the guy with the hardest shot or they're the guy with, you know, who can snipe the corners better than anybody else. And then you really get those competitions. Like, I mean, in, in the NBA, you might have a guy who's not all-star level, but he can hit threes better than anybody else. And, uh, you know, other than Steph Curry, but that's like, I feel like just, just make things so that they're more, engaging for each particular thing get the best people there get the the highest skilled people there and you know get trevor zegers there to do a a a shootout challenge you know do it that way yeah i i i like that this is this is morphed from uh all-star snubs to how to improve all-star weekend i i love that that you uh you brought the conversation there mike because i i i mean complete agreement with you. I love that you pointed out the NBA All-Star Weekend because, yeah, you will see people who are there specifically for the dunk contest. You'll see people who are there specifically for the skills uh, and who are there specifically for the three-point shootout. They didn't make the All-Star team, but they are there to participate in the weekend. The NHL needs to adopt this as well because, like you said, uh, you know, Trevor Zegers is not on the All-Star team, but I guarantee 
people would tune in to see what uh, you know what he could do in a skills competition uh, to see you know uh, if he can do the Michigan in uh, a different way. By the way, can we just call it the Zegras now? I mean, I know it got its origin at, from Mike Legg at the University of Michigan, but Trevor Zegras has popularized that uh, you know, that move far more um, than Mike Legg ever did. Uh, I'm going off on a tangent. I shouldn't do that, but like you, you will people would tune in to see uh you know the, the kind of the cool creative ways that he could maybe pull that off um you know in a in a skills competition you know open it up to, to more players i absolutely agree um the the theme i'm getting here is that cole caulfield was a snub um and uh, that he should have been on the roster but that takes me to my next point and i'm gonna kind of put my tinfoil hat on here a little bit i don't think that the all-star votes actually count I don't think that uh, that the fan vote means absolutely anything. Uh, I voted enough times for Nick Ritchie to know that that is that that is probably the case. I think that the league, and I don't think I'm alone in uh, in saying this. I think the league they put the the, the voting out there to get the fans involved to uh, to you know to have uh, you know have them uh, you know retweet and uh, and you know make impressions on social and promote the event. I think they pick the players who they want to be in uh, in, in that game. Um, because at, I think they learned from the John Scott incident. They because they want to protect their All Star game from people like me who wanted to vote Nick Ritchie in because I am a unabashed Nick Ritchie stan. Uh, so you know, literally the NHL is protecting itself from people like me uh, from, from devaluing their All Star game. Uh, so maybe you move to a a model that uh, the, the players vote for for the Ross players and coaches and executives, the people who absolutely understand the game uh, at the very highest level, not to say that fans are not knowledgeable, but at the end of the day, fans will turn it into a popularity contest. Again, I voted for all Bruins. I voted for Pasternak, Swayman, and, um, uh, and Hampus Lindholm, who, not to say that Hampus Lindholm is not all-star worthy, but I knew he wasn't going to get in. Uh, so I, I voted for all Bruins, uh, every, every ballot I submitted. Uh, so, you know, popularity contests will ensue. So maybe change the the, the model and, uh, and and get players in, involved. Have players promote the game on on, on social. Uh, you know, have them ask. You know, who, you know, who do you think I should vote in uh, to increase engagement? But at the end of the day, have them pick. Uh, you know, the, the rosters. I think that that'd be really cool. But yeah, I agree, Mike. The league needs to open up its All Star Weekend uh, again. You know. Don't have it just be the the fastest skater among all star game participants. Make it who who is the fastest damn skater in the entire league and see if he can set some sort of record. Who has the hardest shot in the league? Uh, you know who is the best at doing the Ray Bork target challenge thing. Uh, and and uh, all star uh, you know participant or not, like open this open this weekend up and uh, and and make it more entertaining for the fans. Uh, and I think that you could really have something here because again these players. Let them show some personality, you know, again, like have, have to do the breakaway challenge without a helmet on, have the hair flowing. Like there are ways to, to really improve things. So uh, I really hope NHL, Bettman, listen to the pod, subscribe to the pod, listen to our ideas, uh, you know, bring us into consult. You know, we have, a, we'll charge a modest fee. Not, not, you know, we're not greedy. Uh, so uh, that is going to, uh, to do it for, uh, for our topics on tonight's show. Um, I did want to head back over to each of my line mates to see if they had any empty netters, uh, you know, any final thoughts for this week's episode. Lauren, as always, we will start with you. This is 
something I maybe is a little biased because I enjoy the all-star game festivities is that it's not that deep if people enjoy the all-star game. And we see this with like MLB, right? We see it every year with the home run derby. Like this isn't, this isn't the pro bowl or the whatever, not the pro bowl, whatever the, uh, yeah, the pro bowl, right? Right before the super bowl. I don't know. My brain is mush on this Friday, but it's, it's the fun. And it's, at the end of the day, it's for it's for kids. It's to help kind of grow the game. It's not for, you know, us us folk in our 30s. But I still enjoy it. And people get so mad about it online where it's like, it's so stupid and this and that. Like, yeah, so what? It's mindless entertainment for some. And it's a nice almost like escape to not watch, even though the, you know, our Bruins are just dominating the league right now. But it's like you get to watch some of the best players in the entire league. And you get to watch a couple hockey games and the final score is probably going to be like 20 to 17. So just enjoy it. And if you're that mad about it, don't watch it. Go watch something else that night. Go watch the Grinch if you're going to be one. Absolutely. Listen, at the end of the day, it's an all-star game. People want to tune in to see their stars score. It's a nightmare for goalies. Like, listen, just be honored by the fact that uh, that you made it there as a goalie. No one is going to judge you by the fact that you gave up six goals uh, against some of the greatest goal scorers in the, the in this sport. Uh, like people want to see scoring, people want to see uh, you know uh, a, a lot of uh, you know f- flashy plays. They want to see uh, you know some of their uh, the, the best players in the sport just kind of goofing around, mic'd up. Like that. That's why uh, they're, they're tuning in. They don't want to see like an intense, hard fought two to one game. No, no, no. They want to see scorings. I agree, Lauren. Uh, uh, I love watching All-Star Weekend, and, uh, you know, I'm always just looking for, you know, can we get to, you know, 20, 25 goals? Uh, like, I, I want to see it. So uh, I, I absolutely agree. Mike, how about yourself? Uh, any empty netter to wrap up this week's episode? Yeah, and I'm kind of going to go in the same direction. I will say, because, you know, like we talked about how to fix All-Star Weekend, but of, you know, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, the NHL has the best actual game of the four you know what i always consider the four major sports here like the pro bowl is the worst thing ever the baseball all-star game is the worst thing ever basketball is pretty good but it's like it's sort of just a lot of guys just getting out of the way so you can do like really good dunks or shooting threes from half court which is fun i think hockey has the best all-star game so while I gave it a little bit of a hard time and think that they should change some things, I do want to give it a little bit of love because it is the most exciting one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's worth pointing out as well. Uh, we think that uh, the, the NHL All-Star Weekend can be improved and made better, but it is still very entertaining to watch. Don't, uh, yeah, don't get us wrong. Absolutely agree, Mike. As for myself, uh, my empty netter has to do with the Vancouver Canucks. And I referenced this a little bit earlier when talking about Bo Horvat and how, you know, he might not be a Canuck for very much longer. I mean, he, he is not going to be a Canuck for very much longer. Let's make that clear. He will be traded by the March 3rd deadline, uh, if not, uh, you know, but by all-star weekend, but this organization is a dumpster fire. Like there are, you know, teams that just don't perform well on the ice. Uh, Like, you know, like, uh, like Columbus, not a very good team, but you know, they, they stink. They're in the lottery. But Vancouver, not only do they stink, but it seems like the vibes in that building on a daily basis must be horrendous. Like it's like 
you walk into the, in those doors and I feel like everything's in like black and white, like everything's gloomy. I feel like people hate working there. There are some unsavory things, uh, allegations uh, going on, like in the workplace there. But additionally, it just seems like there's always an issue these days with Vancouver. And lately it's basically kind of being leaked out. Like, yeah, the, the, the Canucks are definitely going to fire Bruce Boudreaux uh, like this weekend. And they still have him doing press availability T- today, specifically as we record this on on January twentieth. He got like super choked up, um, you know, during his press availability, talking about how, uh, you know, how much of an honor it is to be an NHL coach, and people asking him like, you know, uh, does, uh, you know, is it is it weird? Do you feel like uh, you're at the end here? I, I think that the, the there the questions that were being asked to him were were completely understandable i think it's so irresponsible by the by the team to trot this guy out there to 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 have these questions asked of him and he's clearly getting emotional like are you gonna fire the guy or are you gonna keep him don't let him twist in the wind this guy's been in the sport for like 40 years like and he's been a very successful coach in other places like he deserves better than that so basically my empty netter is it seems like the the vibes in the Vancouver Canuck organization suck. Um, they're still whining about 2011, by the way, like the former players get over that. Uh, like, uh, you know, Kevin Bieksa, uh, you know, like dude, move on. Uh, but also like treat your people better, treat your people to have a, a, a good culture over there because it seems like their culture is absolute shit. So uh, basically Vancouver Canucks, you suck, like not just on the ice. You seem to like, you just really suck. And I need you to like completely revamp your organization because it seems like from players to you know administrative uh, staff, seems like everyone hates it there right now. So get your shit together. That's basically my empty netter. So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, I, as always, want to go around to each of my line mates and have them share with our listeners where they can be found online. Lauren, I'd love to start with you as usual. Where's the very long list of, uh, of places all of our listeners can find you? You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok at la 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 Lauren three laws Lauren with four R's. You can find all of my written work on Nesson.com. Obviously, tons of Bruins content, and now going to be a lot more Pride content, which I'm super super excited about. And you can also hear me hosting the Locked On Red Sox pod three days a week until um, spring training, which is much sooner than we thought. Next week is going to be fun because winter weekend started friday and it's not going well so and it was a lot of funny a lot of funny there's a lot of funny tweets coming out about john henry actually speaking and the fans answering asking questions so there'll be a lot of it'll actually be a fun upbeat episode next week so that's going to be fun and i think that's it i'm gonna plug the ness and bruins pod even though it's on hiatus i'm still plugging it because if you keep plugging it it's gonna come back one day eventually it will be back and when it is back it will have lauren um so yeah uh red sox winter weekend uh the 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 tweets have been uh <laughs> they've been funny uh so uh yeah definitely uh definitely go support uh lauren and listen to locked on red sox and uh um you know I, I find her uh find all of her work and yeah a lot of pride content coming out which is awesome so uh you know shout out to lauren mike how about yourself my friend where can all of our listeners find you online you can find me on Twitter at Mike Roderick SD. Go Georgia Bulldogs and free Thatcher Demko. 
as always, free Thatcher Demko, what, another goalie that we stand here on Snipe and Selly. As for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli13. That is P I S E L L I. I am currently tweeting my way through continuity and timeline issues in a uh, recently released Netflix show because my brain does not allow me to ignore stuff like that. Sometimes I wish that it did, but that's just not how I'm wired. So uh, if you want to see me completely OCD over, uh, you know, this character should not have been uh, be this old uh, and uh, blah, blah, blah. Follow me at Mark Paselli 13. Uh, <laughs> I will be certainly, I, I, I like to mix things up every now and then. Uh, so I'm a mixed bag of what I uh, put out there on the timeline. Thank you all so much as always for listening. Uh, please share Snipe and Sally with the hockey fans in your life. And until the next time we all get together, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. 